You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Oh, it's great to have you with us. It's Good Friday. Last year, this was one of the first things that we did on Zoom. Uh, so it's great to be back in the room together this year. You're especially welcome if you're watching uh, online as well in the overflow area. Thanks for singing on our behalf this morning. So here we are on Good Friday. I'm going to take my lead from Noble last week and start myself a timer. Um, We've been calling it Good Friday for a long time, the Friday before Easter Sunday, since at least 1290. That's when it first um, was recorded as Gwoody Friday. I don't know why uh, they just happened to put extra vowels in words back then, apparently. But in 1290, it was recorded in a book called The South English Legendary, which is quite a cool book, I think. Um, So we've been calling it Good Friday for a long time. And it's almost become second nature for us to call it Good Friday, even though we're marking someone's death. One thing is for sure, as we've heard this morning, most of the people there on the first Good Friday would not have gone to bed that evening thinking that it had been a good day. And this morning I want to talk a little bit about that first day, the day that at the time would literally have been the worst day of many people's lives. And actually, why the reasons it was so felt so terrible for those people are some of the reasons that we can call it good. But before I start, let's pray, shall we? Lord, I thank you for bringing us here together this morning. Thank you that we know that you are good. I pray this morning that as we look at your words, as we remember your death on a cross for us, help us to just be more aware more aware than ever before just of how good you are and your goodness towards us, Lords. Amen. Amen. So yes, today we're going to be looking at the events surrounding the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, um, Spoken about in all of the Gospels, we're going to look more specifically at Luke uh, chapter 23, verses 26 to 56. I'd encourage you to turn there if you can. It's quite a long passage, so I'm not going to read all the way through. Um, but we are going to um, take some things out of that passage. If you've got time this afternoon, I'd encourage you to go away and read the passage for yourself as well. And we've heard this morning three monologues written from the perspective of people who would have experienced this day firsthand. And when I read this passage through and I think about it from their perspective, the, the first word that comes to mind is mess. It's messy. It's chaotic. I don't know whether you've tried to go for a relaxing walk in the park in Ealing over the past few weeks or months. It doesn't bring to mind the phrase, a walk in the park, to me. Uh, It's the only thing people can do at the moment, so it seems that everyone in the borough is in the park whenever you want to go for a walk. You're dodging runners, you're dodging children on bikes, you're dodging adults on bikes, you're dodging games of football and people doing exercise. My favourite thing to see in the park at the moment is the person who feels the need to go on a walk, because that's what everyone should do, but they still want to make sure they keep up with Netflix. So they're just walking on their phone around, ready to walk straight into anyone that walks past them. This passage, this scene that we see here, the crucifixion of Jesus, is like Walpole Park on a bank holiday to the extreme. It is total chaos. If you were a follower of Jesus, 
If you knew deep in your heart that he was the son of God, this day would have been torturous. There is no peace. There's no reflection. One of the reasons that we have this service today is because we want to reflect on the death of Jesus. But there's no time for that on the first good Friday. They're pulling people out of the crowd to carry the cross. There is a great multitude of people following Jesus and weeping. There are soldiers and other crowds mocking him. And he's not even being crucified on his own. There are two thieves being crucified alongside him as well. How can this mess of a day possibly reveal anything about the goodness of God? Well, because this is what life is like, isn't it? It's messy. It's loud. It's painful. It involves other people, often people we didn't invite along to be part of it. It's not under our control. But Jesus comes down into this mess. Here on the first Good Friday, we don't hear him yelling for people to be quiet or telling people to give him the respect that he deserves. Anything, he turns around to the people following and weeping him in verse 28. He says, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. In other words, it's going to get messier. The goodness of God is revealed in this mess because This passage shows us that God desires to dwell with us. Despite the fact that we have sinned against him, that we've turned this world into a place of mess and chaos, he still chooses to come down to us. He wants to meet with us as we are. Sam Albury says, Our testimony is not, I was a mess, then Jesus showed up, and now I've got everything together. But I was a mess, and I still am, but I'm a mess who belongs to Jesus. A mess he is committed to sorting out. He came to me. He has stuck with me, and he continues to be my all in all. Amen. Jesus wants to meet with you in your mess this morning. So it was messy. The second reason... The very first Good Friday would have been the worst day of many people's lives was because they saw that Jesus was despised. In the passage in Luke 23, in verse 35, it talks of Jesus being scoffed at. It says, The rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine. Jesus was despised. He was rejected by men. He suffered. How could this reveal the goodness of God? Well, because this is what God said was going to happen. Even in the suffering of Jesus, we see the promises of God being revealed to be true. We see the word of God being revealed to be true. In Isaiah 53, it's a passage full of promises that would be fulfilled by Jesus. The first being the one that I just referenced in verse 3. It talks of him being despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows familiar with suffering. And there's more promises in this 
passage in verse 7 of Isaiah 53. It talks about Jesus being silent before his accusers, which we see in this passage in Luke 23 as Jesus refrains from responding to the, the mocking. In verse 9, it talks about him being laid in a rich man's grave, which we read about in Luke 23, 53. Him being laid in a tomb which had never been used. We also see other promises and prophecies being fulfilled by Jesus at at the crucifixion. We hear about soldiers casting lots for his clothing, which is prophesied in Psalm 22, as is the fact that his hands and feet would be pierced. In John 19, we hear about the fact that they didn't break any of Jesus's bones, which fulfills a prophecy from Psalm 34 and also reflects a passage in Numbers chapter 9, where it talks about the Passover lamb and how you should not break its bones. Even in this day of pain and suffering and tears, God's word is still true. He is keeping his promises And that will not change. God is a God who keeps his promises even in the darkest of days. Blair Lynn, the the spoken word artist, says, God's word is true from beginning to end. God's commandments and promise are immutable, reaching to all times. They are an everlasting spring that the thirsty can persistently savour. So the day was messy. Jesus was despised, but surely the reason the first Good Friday didn't feel good was because Jesus died. In verse 46, Luke writes, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Not only had Jesus died, he had been crucified. This wasn't a peaceful family round the bedside saying their goodbyes kind of death. Jesus was in pain. He had been hanging on the cross for six hours, slowly suffocating. He had nails driven through his hands and his ankles. He had a crown of thorns pushed into his head. He was stripped naked and hung there before his family and his dearest friends. He was in horrible physical and mental pain. But that is not all that Jesus suffered. He was also carrying the weight of the sin and the shame of everyone who has ever lived. Everything that you or I have ever done, which should have separated us from God, he took the weight of that sin and the shame. And in that moment, he knew that separation that we deserved. One last prophecy from Isaiah 53, which I didn't mention before, comes from verse 5 and 6. It says... But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turns to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him 
the iniquity of us all. And that is why we can call today Good Friday. You see, God is perfectly just. He cannot let sin go unpunished. And yet he is also perfectly loving. So he sent his son to die in our place. That we might be spared from experiencing that same separation from God. In his death, Jesus paid the price for our sin. That death, that was the worst part of the very first Good Friday is now the clearest indication of just how good God is. That he died that we might have life, even while we were still sinners. If you're wondering who you would have been in the crowd around Jesus, it's easy to imagine we would have been one of the ones weeping behind him and crying out that he shouldn't have been dying. But we sing that song, don't we, where we recognize we are the ones who called out among the scoffers. Even while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And so I believe we really can call today Good Friday. That there is reason to commemorate and even celebrate today. Not just as a day of mourning and remembrance, but a day when we can be reminded of the incredible goodness of God. And knowing God's goodness can transform more than just the way we look at Good Friday. It can transform the way we look at every day. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to assume that everyone in this room has had a few bad days over the last 12 months. Uh, In fact, probably we've had a bad day in the last week or the last month. Today might have even been a bad day for you. I hope the last kind of 45 minutes have been slightly better. You might have recognized some of the feelings that were shared in the monologues this morning. You might feel as if God gave you an opportunity and you blew it, like Peter. You might feel as like the boy, your hopes for what would be have not been, not come to pass. You might be like the centurion, recognizing right now that you missed out on recognizing who Jesus is in your life. God is still good. There might be mess in your life right now. Lots of noise or stress or weeping. You might feel persecuted or despised because you've told someone you believe that Jesus is Lord of your life. You might have experienced the death of someone that you love and care about in the last year. God is still good. This morning, I read these words uh, which is from a hymn by Isaac Watts. Uh, say, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. We call today Good Friday, not because we're always going to feel good, but because God is always going to be good. Amen. 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 Pete, do you want to introduce? Yeah. We're going to worship together now. Uh, We're going to sing a song, Man of Sorrows, which uh, 
reflects that passage that we've just read in Isaiah 53. I'm just going to pray for us again before we worship. Oh, Lord, you are good. We have days when we're so obviously aware of that and days when it is painful to say, Lord, but we know that it is true. We thank you for just revealing your goodness to us in such an incredible way and sending your son to die that we might have freedom from sin. We pray today and every day, whatever our circumstance, would we remember that truth and remember the goodness of God. Amen.